Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio, my name is Bill Matz, I am your director of fun and games for the evening, it's here, it's this week, it's happening, Flyers Hockey, NHL, it's all come back to us, the regular season begins uh, tomorrow, like less than 24 hours from the time we're recording, maybe exactly, it's like 7.30 on Monday, I don't know what time the first game starts, but probably around now. About 24 hours from now, there will be real live hockey. Of course, Flyers fans, we have to wait till the end of the week, but that's fine, we can wait a little longer, it's been like 50 years without a cup, well, you know, what's the rush? Uh, so let's get right into it, let's lead it off with the intros and start things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but I saw it right before we started recording this. ESPN is having Sidney Crosby on the Monday Night Football halftime show, which is like more cross promotion than NBC literally ever did with the NHL. Well, like, so I think that's pretty cool. Wh- what were they going to cross promote with? Like, like a fucking Formula One racing or? I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. Didn't they do some stuff that was good? Like football. What was on it? I don't even know. What What is NBC Baseball. Sports? What did they? I mean, it was pretty much just hockey, right? And then oh. they had like cycling, I think, and they had, I think they did have some. They well, they had they have NASCAR, but I don't think there was much cross promotion yeah. there. Um, yeah, there just wasn't a lot. I feel like they, I feel like they kind of put all their eggs in the hockey basket. And... I mean, they do have. They do have Sunday night football if they really wanted to try to promote the NHL. True. They could have been like, True. hey, we do some games sometimes. You know, the Stanley Cup gets awarded on this channel. But, my God, of I, I, I understand, like, name recognition. Like, even if you haven't been paying that close attention to hockey, like, you probably know Sidney Crosby's name the last, what, 15 fucking years. He's been, he's been one of the best players in the league. But um, imagine watching that. And then being like, oh, I got to watch this guy. He is like, a, a- already, already his game is hard to promote as we found out because like, oh yeah, come watch Sidney Crosby win every puck battle isn't like the most exciting thing in the world. Like, yeah, if you're a fan of the game, you go, oh my God, every time he's within a stick length of the puck, it belongs to him. Like, yeah, that's why his team wins a lot of games, but it's not that exciting. The only thing less exciting than the way he plays hockey is fucking him. He is like, <laughs> like a, a bowl of unflavored oatmeal of a man. Of of anybody <laughs> they could have chosen. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's safe. Like, the- like, they know he's not going to say any naughty words and he won't make fun of anyone. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, safe. meanwhile, they have Eli Manning like flipping the double bird on ESPN2 because it's hilarious. But we we have to give Mayo Boy his time, I guess. Uh, I'm glad there's some sort of cross-promotion, don't get me wrong. This isn't even, like, my anti-Penguin stuff, because, like, whatever. I, I'm, I'm 33 years old, I don't have time to be that mad about it. But, like, <laughs> but like really? That guy? <laughs> like that guy, you know, Mark Mark Andre Fleury exists. I don't like. I don't At least I mean, it isn't Patrick Kane. Yeah, there's that's, that. That's a very good point. And like yeah. that thing, is, an- and like look, like yes, Connor McDavid is more exciting on the ice in terms not of off. an interview. <laughs> no, not off. He's somehow more boring than Sidney Crosby, which does not seem possible. Yeah, I just yeah. Well, at least there's at least it's something. Let's not start this show off on the wrong foot. You know what? Hockey's on ESPN. That's cool. They actually seem like they're going to promote it. That's cool. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Also joining us, you just heard his voice. I don't know why I say joining us like you're a guest, like you're here every goddamn week. I'm gracing you athletic- all with my presence, actually. Yeah. <laughs> From yeah, I- theAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. 
Um, so I do want to talk about this, and this is something we sort of touched on. We touched on it last week. Uh, we definitely did. Um, but it just kind of has continued over uh, over the past week since we recorded, um, especially after that preseason game. And I've seen it pop up on Twitter. And I'm just kind of curious as to what our thoughts are um, about general excitement levels for this general season. General excitement. And if you think that the preseason, for whatever reason, has lowered the excitement level of the fan base for this team? Mm. Or do you think that's just a perception that I have from being far too paying attention to Twitter? No, I I think you're onto something because I think that after all the moves, like the roster moves on paper, people were, were super excited about the prospect of this team heading into the season. And then during preseason... Like, no one was lighting the world on fire for the Flyers in the preseason. So I have a feeling that a lot of fans might have watched a preseason game or two and been like, oh, God, it's just as it was before. Nothing is different. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, I um, I don't know if it was preseason specifically that did it for me, but really it's just, like we talked about last week, the Kevin Hayes injury and then Morgan Frost getting sent down and then just kind of looking at the roster. I does it? I, I'm excited for the season because hockey's back and that's cool. And I still think ultimately, like after the 82 games have been played, this team can be in pretty good position to make a playoff run. But especially for the start, like I think it's going to be a little bumpy. Like I'm not as I'm not as excited just about like oh we're gonna come out win our first five and the whole city's gonna be orange and black. Like the the, the Eagles suck. The Phillies uh, you know disappointed again. Ben Simmons has been getting booed out of the tri-state area. It's us, baby. <laughs> and like it it doesn't feel like that's gonna be the thing. Like I thought the Flyers were in position to kind of you know make make a little make a little headway for the first time in forever. Uh, but I don't think it's going to start that way. It could ultimately end that way, and that's what matters. But for being excited about the very start of the season, I'm like, ugh. Like, you know what's exciting? Scoring goals. Mm-hmm. What did I ask last week? Who's going to score the goals? Um, and, like, I do think maybe we're underrating a Cam Atkinson or a JVR and TK being TK again. But, like, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem... I don't know if I'm answering your question at all, Charlie. I just... It the team just doesn't seem as exciting. Like they're gonna do stuff that like gets us all amped right away. No, I, I think that is the answer to my question because I just kind of wanted to get a read on whether I was my perception was kind of out on an island. Um, it reminds me in a little bit of sort of how things felt before the 2019-2020 season. Like they made changes in the yeah. off season. They obviously hired Vino. They got Hayes. They got Niskanen. They got Braun. And there was a degree of like, well, they did stuff. That's cool. And then when the season, like when preseason hit and the season started, it was kind of like, yeah, but did they really do enough? Mm-hmm. Is this team yeah. really any good? And then it took a while for fans to sort of start coming around on the team. You know, it really took until they got in the the run in January and February into March when I think fans started legitimately getting excited about the team. Um, and then, of course, and then, of course, you know, pandemic hits and nothing has been the same since. But I'm just kind of wondering if the start of the season is going to be similar where, you know, the crowds at games might not be as large because um, that was a big I remember that was a big topic of conversation um, in the first half of 2019, 2020, about how you know they would be saying these attendance numbers and you'd be looking at the stands. and You're like, ah, there's no way there's that many people in that. In that I I think. There is going to be an attendance issue early in this season. Uh, doesn't seem great, and like I—that's I, not I, like maybe you know they'll win the first two games, and then suddenly people will jump on the like not the bandwagon. Everyone's a Flyers fan, but like suddenly jump on board and be like, okay, yeah, it is worth going and seeing them. But I I do think like it could be a little bit of an issue, and rem- like remember that that first year with AV, we we talked like. Man, it, they look better, but the results are eh, like up and down. Like they really never got that foothold until after the, after the uh, like the 
uh, Disney on ice break. Right, that's what that's right. what I was trying to get yeah. at. Like they and that was you know the absolute disaster that it was. A freaking player on the team got cancer. Like it, the whole thing, like it was a disaster. And then all of a sudden they're good. And uh, like I can see it building that way, but yeah, I kind of think it's going to be a similar start where it's like, oh, they look better, but they're 500. Why are why are they only winning half of their games if they're so much better than they were last year? And it's going to take a little while uh, to really get going. But that's just what I think is it's going to be. Charlie, you just referenced that 2019-20 season and how it all kind of, uh, you know, everything blew up that March. So I was going back, because this is our season preview episode, I was going back to see just what kind of points totals it took to get into the playoffs the last time there was an 82-game NHL season. And, um... Holy shit, that was 2018-19. Oh Scott God. Gordon. Scott Gordon finished the year out as our head coach. Oh that God. did happen. Andrew McDonald played 47 years that uh, 47 years. Well, that might have felt like 47 right. years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he played 47 games that year. Uh do you remember Phil Veroni and Ryan Hartman? Yeah, they were things. Yeah. Phil Veroni? Uh, this, yeah, like this feels like an eternity yes. ago. Well, it was. It does. Yeah, I mean, it was like the world changed dramatically. Yeah. But like, it does not feel like I, I, I like I don't know. Dave Haxtall was just the coach of this team, but also that was a lifetime ago. Uh, you know, I it, it's just I was going back just to just to see like, okay, what did it take to get into the playoffs last time we had this sample size? And then I was like, oh my god, I have to go back another year. That's right. I'm on 1920, but that's not correct. Uh, so it, it was just, I had just had one of those moments. All right. So let's talk about this Flyers roster now that I just kind of poured cold water on it and asked, once again, how are they going to score the goals? Uh, they submitted their 21-man 20, roster to the league today, and they also claimed Patrick Brown off waivers. Now, I just thought that was funny. Because they took an unprodu- unproductive center from Vegas, and I just figured they sent him back to us. Nolan, that is. Actually more productive than Nolan Patrick, honestly. <laughs> that might be Sorry. going a little too far. but Well, <laughs> maybe a little too far. <laughs> Steph isn't here, so I can say that kind of shit. <laughs> I, think, I think Steph's finally over it. I, I really think, so think too. she like, yeah, like she's done, she's done with the guy. All right, but just looking looking at the 21-man roster here, um, it's basically since we found out that uh, that Morgan Frost was getting sent down, it's everything we expect. What, what's the upside of this team? Like, right now, we'll get our predictions and everything, but, like, looking at this team, is it can it contend for the division? Is it going to make a playoff run? Like, are these 21 guys the 21 guys that can get us to a conference final? Um, I mean, it's it's tough to say because there are a lot more question marks, I think, than than people realize. Maybe maybe people do implicitly realize it, and that's why there's so much, you know, maybe not as much excitement as, uh, as, as I would love for there to be around the start of a flyer season. But there's a lot of question marks on this team. You know, like, you can generally speaking think that, like, Sean Gattieri and Claude Drew will be good. You know, and guys like Scott Lawton will be, you know, who they are. You know, there's there's James Van Riemsdyk will get his points. Like, there's guys on this team where you can look at and you're like, okay, they are what they are. We can count on them for what we expect them to deliver. But there's a lot of players in this team that you look at and you're kind of like, oh, they can go either way. It's like Travis Konechny. Could he bounce back to being the guy he was in 2019-2020? Yeah, he could. I mean, I don't think he's like it's guaranteed, but he could. Joel Farabee could take another step forward, or he could regress because he shot 16% last year, and maybe last year was a little bit of a mirage. Oscar Limblom's kind of at a pivot point because he looks great right now, but you don't really know if he can get back to where he was in 2019-2020 before the, the cancer diagnosis. Um, Nick Aubrey Q. Bell's trying to bounce back. You know, we, we think that the pro Rob Ellis parent is going to be good, but... 
you never know. Maybe it's not. We have no idea where they're going to get out of Rasmus Ristolainen. Either he's going to be this, you know, surprisingly useful player, or he's going to be the dumpster fire that he was in Buffalo. And if that's the case, does he drag down Travis Sanheim? Then you got Keith Yandel. Each defensive pairing has at least one new guy on it. And then, capping it all off, we have really no clue what we're going to get out of Carter Hart and what we're going to get out of Martin Jones. So there's so many things here where, you know, Generally speaking, when I'm looking to project a team, it's like you figure maybe half the things are going to break your way and half of them aren't. And if half the things break the Flyers' way, they'll probably be okay. Well, if most of them break their way, they could be really good. If most of them break against them, they could be pretty darn bad. So we've talked about this in other years, but I just the Flyers, to me, as they often are, um, strike me as a very high-variance hockey team. And, uh, and I guess that's the only way that the Philadelphia Flyers know how to be because that's just their inherent identity in this era. And we'll see if they can, you know, start to break that. But we thought they were starting to break that in 2019-2020. And then lo and behold, last year happened. So. so just looking at this roster and the potential variants and all that, uh, they have, what, six, seven guys, seven guys starting out the year on injured reserve. Um, none of them are named Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I, I I find it odd, but is am I stupid for for believing I mean we just talked last week, like even if he plays, maybe he's not, you know, what we not the Kevin Hayes caliber player, but just looking at they're confident that he'll be back within what, ten games or whatever before that threshold. Um should I be optimistic about Kevin Hayes not starting the year on IR? Like, I feel like that's good that he's not going to be out the first month plus. I truthfully don't think it matters all that much. Um, I I knew that they they wanted to avoid using long-term IR. They still, the, the thing is, too, they could still theoretically tomorrow place him on long-term IR yeah. and then, you know, call up. Jackson Cates or Garrett Wilson using the allowance from Kevin Hayes. So I'm not saying that that Kevin Hayes is destined to avoid long-term, long-term IR. That said, you make a good point about the 10 games thing because Chuck Fletcher did say last week, he did hint that, um, that they're hoping that Hayes can return closer to six weeks versus eight. And he was skating again um, this weekend, which seems like a good sign. Um, so it's possible, and if if he could return closer to six weeks, that would be more like eight games rather than ten. And you know, the earlier he can get back, the better. So by keeping him off long term IR, you leave the door open that he doesn't have to wait the full ten games before he can come back. That's big. Um, that said, you know, I don't think it matters that much that he's not on injured reserve period because if you're not going to put him on long term IR, if the plan is we're going to avoid putting him on LTIR. There's really not much of a difference, functionally, between having him on the roster, not on injured reserve, or just having him on normal injured reserve. The reason being is that normal injured reserve doesn't have any impact on the cap. If a guy is on normal injured reserve, his cap hit, his full cap hit, still counts against the the $81.5 million salary cap ceiling. The only thing putting someone injured on normal injured reserve, this is not long-term injured reserve, this is normal injured reserve, the only thing that does is he no longer counts against your 23-man roster limit. So you could have, you know, let's say you're at 23 guys on your roster, Kevin Hayes gets hurt, you put him on, on normal IR, and suddenly you only have 22 guys on your roster, then you can call someone out to replace him. Well, for the Flyers, that doesn't really matter because um, – there are, know, there are 21 with Kevin Hayes. So even if you put him on, long, on on normal injured reserve, then you're down to 20. You have the space to call guys up anyway, in theory, at least the roster space. You may not have the cap space, but you have the roster space. The only thing that does raise my eyebrows a little bit is that I don't know why, because the same thing goes for Samuel Moran. Samuel Moran, I was able to confirm that Samuel Moran is on normal IR. All the other guys, you know, Fitzgerald, Allison, Lazinski, Wisdom, Cooper Zek, they're all on season opening IR, which is a separate thing. Um, but Sam Moran is on normal injured reserve. And 
it's weird because him and Hayes are kind of in the same boat where they're both on one-way deals. They both can't be put on season opening injury reserve, so they have to go. If they're going to be on injured reserve, they have to be on normal injury reserve or long-term injury reserve. So I don't really understand why Moran was placed on normal IR and Hayes wasn't. Um, I don't quite get that because if, if your point is, well, we don't need to put him on IR because his cap hit still counts with Hayes, then why wouldn't that also hold for Moran? You could just have Moran on the roster too, and his cap hit counts, and he's just not healthy enough to play. So what's the real difference? Why the distinction between the two? And that's why I'm kind of wondering if maybe they're leaving the door open to putting Hayes on LTIR at some point down the road. And that's why they have him not on normal IR. That's why he's still on the roster, because they're kind of leaving that possibility open where, okay, we can throw him on LTIR straight up and kind of go from there. Because what, like, the one thing about long-term IR that you can do is, and I know, I'm, I'm aware I'm kind of getting into some technical details here, but you can backdate IR stays. You can do that. So yeah, as long as they haven't played, you can yes. say they've been hurt since then. Yes. So maybe by keeping Hayes on the roster, they're leaving the possibility open that they could backdate his LTIR stay to the first day of the year if they absolutely need to from a cap standpoint. That's the only thing I could think of. They're just leaving that door open if necessary. The um, Just looking at this cap situation, you know, with two guys short on the roster, they're at 21 of a possible 23. And they have $43,187 in cap space. Basically zero cap space. How? Like, man, I just, I like this roster. I think it's good. I think they really improved themselves from last year, more so the mix than anything. But they did bring in some much uh, needed talent in terms of like a Ryan Ellis, a Cam Atkinson. But... uh, is this a, a roster so talented that they should be up against the cap? I don't, I don't see that. Like I see a team that it, 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 the you know the sum of the parts should be greater than the individuals or whatever. But I don't see a team that's oh man yeah we, look at all this we spent this money wisely. Like I'm not seeing that right now. I don't know. It's it's hard to I think just judge the roster based on salaries on paper i i mean i get what you're saying but like we don't know yet like there's been too much turnover to know anything about this team so far and you know does rasmus wrist align and make way too much money yes but maybe he'll be okay here and it won't really matter because we'll be winning hockey games like this kind of stuff is the is the stuff that you think about when the team is dog shit. But if in two months, you know, they've won 70% of the games that they've played, we're not going to give half a shit about how much salary they're paying these guys. No, it's not. Like, I don't care what the players make. It's more so that, like, they don't have the room to improve if they need to. And I think it gets back to what Charlie was saying and what you just said, Kelly, is we don't know. Like, if the things that we're worried about, like Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov, are fine, then the team is fine. But if they're not, there's not really anything they can do about it, because they have $43,000 in cap space, which is functionally zero. I mean, but this is, to be fair, it's exactly where we were at the start of the summer. Like, we've known forever that if the team is going to improve, they were going to have to move salary out to bring new players in. And that's kind of exactly where they are right now. Like, you know, they're going to have to trade JVR to Buffalo to get Jack Eichel. We can't just get him for nothing. (laughs) American hero, you know, Mm -hmm. James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, it is interesting, the point you're making, though, Bill, because I get the frustration. That said, you know, a lot of teams, like, I I wouldn't say the majority, but a good portion of the teams in the NHL are slammed up against the Capsule. Oh, they just are. Yeah, it hasn't gone up in three fucking years. Not every single team is good. So, you know, you can't just say, well, like, well, we're spending in the cap, so why aren't we better? Like, well, a lot of teams are spending in the cap. Like, I mean, I'm taking a look at cap friendly right now. Like, St. Louis Blues are spending in the cap. I don't think they're going to be that good. Calgary Flames, Los Angeles Kings, basically spending in the cap. I don't think they're going to they're going to be that good. Maybe Calgary Sutter turns them around maybe. But like there's quite a few teams that are spending to the cap that like 
even if I think they're okay, I don't think they're like super like Winnipeg's over the cap. You know, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll probably make the playoffs because their defense is a little bit better. But like, I don't view them as a cup favorite. So I think it's just kind of cost of doing business right now, especially as you mentioned in the flat cap era. In addition, I mean, I look honestly, I look at the Flyers cap situation and especially this year, there really aren't that many guys. I, I look at their cap hit and I like blanch at, I'm like, yikes, that's, that's too high for what they provide. Like it might be too high for what they provided last year, but in terms of my general expectation for their play, if they, you know, prove that last year was a bit fluky, like JVR is maybe a little bit overpaid, but he's a pretty darn good player. You know, Kevin Hayes, yeah, the last year's version of Kevin Hayes, probably not a $7.1 million player, but, like, it's not a ridiculous overpay. I mean, the one guy, and, I mean, I'm beating the dead horse here, but, like, the one guy who I look at his cap in it, I'm like, ooh, that's way higher than I would give him is Ristolainen, but that's because I don't I don't have a particularly high opinion of Rasmus Ristolainen's NHL career to this point. And I think that even if he works in Philadelphia, you know, if he's better in Philadelphia, he's going to be better because he plays a more limited role and in that case, he won't be worth this cap hit anyway. Like, mm-hmm. he'll be yeah, fine, but he my... won't be worth $5.4 million playing a second-pair role where he doesn't score that much and just hits people. No, that's like, I have a higher opinion of Ristolainen than you do, and I think, like, there's a distinct possibility he gets his career back on track here, and even with my optimistic view, he is wildly overpaid. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he, he scored like, a lot of points. Like, that was yeah, the, you, you get yeah. paid on points, and he was on the top power play and got tons of minutes, so he scored a bunch of points and got that that cap hit. But, like, I wouldn't, even if I was less of a Rissalina skeptic, like, I don't think the role he's going to be playing in Philadelphia is going to justify that cap hit. Like, if the Flyers were to re-sign him, unless he somehow makes his way on the power play and racks up points again, like, I would hope that if the Flyers choose to re-sign him, they would get him for a lower cap than what he has now because of the role, presumably, he would play. And then there's Martin Jones, who, like, I mean, Ugh. he just might stink. So, like, I don't think $2 <laughs> yeah. million dollars is an egregious might. cap hit, but if he's actively bad, then it might be. <laughs> is the is the buyout window open right now for Martin <laughs> Jones? Can we get out of this $2 million today? Like, oof. Uh, but like again, I'm not putting too much into the preseason. I don't want to get crazy. It's it's the it's the preseason. I don't care. Look, yeah. with Martin Jones, I don't care about the preseason. <laughs> I care about the previous three years. That's, that's my what, yeah. That's what that's, scares yeah. me about him. Like, yeah, he gave up some weak goals in preseason. Whatever. He's a veteran. It's preseason. I'm more concerned about the fact that he was one of the league's worst starters for the three years prior, and they kind of need him to bounce back and. In preseason, he didn't look like a guy. Like, Carter Hart looked like a guy who, yeah, I can buy a bounce back because he looks pretty sharp. Martin Jones kind of just looks like San Jose Martin Jones, just in a different uniform. Yep. And, like, a bounce back, like, one bad year for a goalie or something, like, that shit just happens. It happens all the time. Uh, And good years happen for bad goalies all the time. But, like, consecutive, you're looking to get back to, like, the season I just referenced at the top of this show and how it's like a million years ago. Yeah, the year before that, you're looking to get back to with Martin Jones. So, like, yeah, it's yeah, you're really taking a risk there with what you're doing. Hopefully, Carter Hart is just what we expect. Now, the thing I wanted to ask about, one more thing about the composition of this roster and what we thought about it. With the, uh, with the addition of Patrick Brown today, they have one extra forward and no extra defenseman. Clearly, they really Patrick don't even have an extra forward because Kevin Hayes can't play. Oh they right, really yeah, Kevin no Hayes is out. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just did, I just did ten minutes on Kevin Hayes starting the year on the roster, and then immediately forgot about that. So, what do they do um, when someone gets hurt? So I guess since, is it because they're playing at home, like they can just get somebody practically immediately, so they don't really need to carry an extra to start. But well, they have a, to pay that player. That's right? a big part of it. Yeah, that is a big part of it. So they're um, banking space right now, right? Well, they're banking very little. They, yeah. They're only they're forty three thousand dollars under the cap. They're not going to bank much. I, I do think there's a feeling that they would prefer not to tap into long term IR. But let me let's be clear. Like if someone gets hurt, they will have to tap into long term IR. Yeah, there's no there's no way. Like you let, let's say like in game one. You know, I don't know. Nick Albuquerque Bell gets hurt, you know, and he's going to miss a week. 
unless they want to roll with 11 forwards and six defensemen, they can't send down an injured guy. Plus, he would need waivers, so they're not going to do that. And they can't send down somebody else because then they would have 10 forwards. You have the guy they sent down and, you know, Nick Albeck-Uvell. Like, you're you're in a position where if some if even one player has to miss a game out of this 12-6-2 group they have, they're going to have to throw somebody on long-term IR and use that allowance to call up a replacement. Now, if no one gets hurt, they won't have to probably until um, – you know, until uh, the road trip, probably. And and I, I do, one thing I, I have heard um, some rumblings of is that I think Hayes is at the very least going to take the six weeks. There's a chance that Moran could come back earlier than expected. Mm. That's possible, and that could free up a little bit more flexibility for them because then suddenly Moran is your extra, you know, is your extra defenseman. You take him on the trip. And then and he's a forward too. And he's a forward too. He can always do that in a pinch. That would never be funny. forget. That would be funny if they use him as the extra to stay off LTIR because they figure, well, he can st- step in it forward for a game if needed against you know you some Western Canada. The most versatile player on the roster. Yeah, there's the value there. Um, but that may bail them out. But if somebody gets hurt in these first four home games and they have to, you know, have a replacement, have a full roster. I don't know how they would do it any other way other than start tapping an LTIR and go from there because like, I, just, I don't know how they would make it fit unless they want to, again, roll with fewer than you know than, than 18 skaters, which seems dumb. Like, if they just put Hayes on LTIR, I understand, then you can't bank cap space, but you're banking 43000 a day. That adds up to nothing. Like, right yeah. now, Cap Friendly is projecting they have... 215,000 uh by deadline day which means nothing that's again functionally zero um exactly. what what's the difference like <laughs> I, I i just i don't see I, whatever we'll see we'll see how they deal with it when the time comes i just think it seems silly to me all right we are uh where what are we at perfect 30 minutes let's take a quick break and uh we'll come back and it's prediction time That's right. What you all came for, predictions. We'll be back on the other side. All right, fam, we are back. And as promised, it is time to make some Flyers predictions. So as I said at the top of the show, I went back to the last time there was an 82-game season, which, again, feels like a million years ago. Uh, And it took quite a bit just to get into the playoffs that year. So the last time there was an 82-game season was 2018-19, Washington won the division with 104 points. New York and Pittsburgh were also both under a hun- over 100 uh, in terms of the division, you know, how they do the stupid first three in the division make it, and then the wild cards. Uh, the two wild cards, Carolina and Columbus, had 99 and 98 points. And then over in the Atlantic, Tampa had that crazy 128. Boston was at 107, Toronto at 100, so... It took 98 points to make the to make the playoffs in the East. Last time there was an 82 game season, so I got to start it off right here. Flyers have 98 points in them. Mm. Yes? <laughs> Question mark. That wasn't yeah, that's a uh, the... particularly convincing yes, Kelly. Uh, I hate our division. Is Carter Hart going to win every start? Like, that's... <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I think this team is going to make the playoffs. Maybe it won't be 98 points this time around. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, Loser looking points. at the division... Loser points. Yeah, looking at the division, I would, like, I expect Pittsburgh to be worse. Like, there are teams I think took steps back. Now, like, the Rangers, I think, are better. And this was, you know, three years ago. We're looking at now. Like, I I think there's more room for, uh, like, parity at the top. Like, it's not just going to be a couple of strong teams. Uh, I do think there's a little more flexibility. I think there's more middle ground in this division, but... Ah, man, 98. That's a lot. Um, so my my general view of the conferences this year is that 
I think, well, I believe Colorado is the best team on paper. And while I believe that Vegas is a straight up elite team that, you know, is as good as anybody and certainly wouldn't shock me if they won the Stanley Cup. I think the East is dramatically deeper than the West. So because of that belief, I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see a lot of East teams with really high point totals because I have a feeling that the East, when the East teams play the West teams this year, the East teams are going to kind of wipe the floor with them in general. Mm. So, I mean, there have been times, I remember some years, like I think there was one year, might have been actually when Fletcher was still GM of uh, of the Wild. Um, but like the Wild like made the playoffs with like nothing. Like they got in with so few points. It was it was honestly like kind of embarrassing how badly how how bad they were, um, and uh, and I could see something similar happening um, with uh, with the way the West goes this year because I just think like the West is so top heavy. Yeah, like yeah, like, the Wild got in the playoffs. I, I was thinking this 2015-2016, The Wild got in with eighty seven points because like once you got past the top few teams in the West, the rest of the conference just stunk. And then in the East, like you had to be like in the nineties, you know, in the in the high nineties to really get in. Um, and I could see the same thing happening uh, this time around. So it wouldn't shock me in the slightest to see the Flyers get to that level if they prove to be a good team, because I just think the East is gonna is gonna rack up the points and it's gonna kind of there's gonna kind of be a discrepancy there. Um, that's sort of where my head's at, and I'll talk more about it when we get into the Metro. But uh, yeah, I mean, if the Flyers are good, I don't see any reason why they can't be around ninety eight. Or, or higher. I mean, they, what they were on a a plus one hundred uh, pace in 2019-2020 when that whole season fell apart. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a definite possibility. I'm just looking at right now, like the projected points totals uh, and the over unders in the betting market right now. The Flyers are at ninety two and a half. And just to tell you, like you know, top three teams in the division make the uh, playoffs automatically. Isles are lined at 98.5, Canes and Rangers both at 96.5. So, and, you know, it's a betting hockey market. It's not exactly the smartest market because it's not like they're paying a ton of money, a ton of attention to hockey because who bets on hockey? So, you know, oh, yeah, the, the, the Penguins, they're good. Like, obviously, they have better odds than the Flyers when maybe that isn't necessarily the truth. But, Right now, they're projected, uh, they have the one, two, three, four, five, sixth best odds to win the division in the Metro. So, like, they're not expected to make the playoffs. Their playoff number is, like, plus 100, uh, even money to win, and, like, minus 125 to miss the playoffs. So, they're not expected to make the playoffs by, like, at least uh, the gambling community. I, man, I need them to make the playoffs. It's really hurting me. To think that they might not this year. Like, it is very much on the table that they could not make the playoffs. Of course, they have the every other year magic working for them. That's always nice. Uh, but, fuck, man. I... Alright, let's look at the teams listed ahead of them in the division. Isles, Canes, Rangers, Pens, Caps, and then the Flyers. Are they definitely better than any of those teams? I think they're definitely better than the Penguins right now. I think that they should be definitely better than the I think the Hurricanes are I think the Hurricanes are worse. You think so? So you're I you're think, really low on the Canes. I noticed that last week in our in our show. But is that I, literally just because you think Dougie had that much of an outsized impact? Dougie, the goaltending, like goal I don't know is, if yeah. I don't know if the Flyers are better than the Hurricanes, but I think the Hurricanes are worse than they were last year. I agree the Hurricanes are worse than they were last year. I just think that they are good enough that they can lose a fair amount and still be better than the Flyers. I So I made this point last year, and I'm sticking to it because what the hell? I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I made the point that had the had the Capitals not hired Peter Laviolette last year, I was going to pick the Capitals to miss the playoffs. And I was like, Peter Laviolette's always great his first year, so I have to keep them in the playoff mix because they're the Capitals. But I said I was just putting my prediction off one year. So I'm putting my prediction in here that this is the year the Capitals fall off and miss the playoffs. So I have the Capitals out of the playoffs. Now, beyond that, I mean, I think the I view it as the Isles and the Canes 
are the two, or my mind, the two best teams mm-hmm. in the division on paper. I think the Devils and the Blue Jackets are the two worst teams in the division on paper. And then if you threw any of the other four teams in any order, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm going out on a limb and saying the Capitals, this is the year where the aging curve hits them hard and they go full uh, San Jose Sharks. Um, All right. And then you've got the Rangers, the Flyers, and uh, and the Penguins. And, I mean, the Rangers are one of those teams where you're kind of like, are we – is it a year too soon with them? Are we, are we getting a little ahead of ourselves with how good they are? Like, I think part of the reason why they, they look better than maybe they were is because they beat up on the Flyers a couple times when they were in free fall and made their goal differential look probably better than it actually should have been because normally teams like the Flyers don't utterly collapse like they did. Um, and then the Penguins are in a tough spot with, uh, you know, it looks like Crosby isn't going to miss much time, but it looks like Malkin is going to miss a significant amount of time. And that's going to hurt them. Um, and they also don't have a GM that is known for being particularly aggressive in terms of trying to improve his team. So I don't know if the Penguins struggle. I don't know if Hextall is going to burn assets to try to get them better. So they better be able to do it. The one thing that, that keeps the gives me pause from saying the Penguins are going to fall off entirely is that I think very highly of Mike Sullivan as a coach. And yeah. I actually think he tends to do his – he does his best work when it looks like that team is about to be bad. That's mm-hmm. when Sullivan is like Sullivan in truth, like last the the last full season, the 2019-2020 season, if you remember, everybody was hurt the first half of that year for the Penguins and they just kept winning. They were really good. And then everybody came back healthy and they started playing mediocre. And I just for whatever reason Sullivan just seems like one of those coaches where like when his back's up against the wall that's when he does his best work. And with Crosby and Malkin out, his back's going to be up against the wall and I think he's going to do a good job this year. So I'm still keeping the Penguins in there. But you know, if you put, if you give it to, you know, put it between the Flyers and the Rangers for me, I mean, I don't know. I I'm I kind of still look at the Rangers as you got to prove it to me, you know. At least the Flyers have made the playoffs. You know they they have been in there and they didn't just get in because right. they expanded the things. Like if you ask me to choose between the the Flyers and the Rangers for a fourth Metro team to make the playoffs, I'm probably picking the Flyers. Yeah, look, I I agree with you about the Rangers. Like I think they're good, but you got to show it to me. But I can say the exact same goddamn. Like yeah, the Flyers made the playoffs two years ago. And then, you know, the same shit happened. They ran into the Islanders and they couldn't play with them. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's I want to say division. it's tough. It division. is. It's it a really, really tough division and it's a tough division to call. It's not just like there are tough matchups. I literally don't know if the Pens are going to, like, you think the Caps are going to hit the aging curve. That could happen at any moment for the Penguins. But we've also been saying that for five years. Like, these guys keep getting hurt, and then they keep getting okay and making the playoffs. So it's, like, they won back-to-back cups not all that long ago. So it's it's a tough call just really throughout this division. Like, it will not shock me if the Devils are a lot better. Now, they can be a lot better and still be pretty bad, but it will not shock yeah. me if the Devils are a lot better. Yeah, some of the models really like the Devils. Yes. Um, like, I think, like, Dom's model has the Devils over the Flyers. The Evolving Wild model has the Devils, like, one of the better teams in the division. And, and I, the thing is, I know why. Like, I know why. And it's not just Dougie, although Dougie's a big part of it. But, like, sure. Dougie... Stat stat models think he's like the best defenseman in hockey, so that's that's huge. Um, Tomas Tatar, stat models love. That said, like the guy was scratched the entirety of the postseason, pretty much for the for the Montreal Canadiens. So you know, it's like okay, were the Habs really that dumb? Maybe, but they also got to the Cup Finals. So like, I don't know. Maybe Tomas Tatar isn't actually as good as you know the stats will imply that he is. It's and then, the like, they got Jonathan sport. Bernier, and Bernier was a good— I mean, I, I wanted Jonathan Bernier as the Flyers, you know, 1B behind Hart. So they added a lot of guys who the model is going to love. I just still look at that team. I look at that team from top to bottom, and I just don't see enough talent. But I get why a model would look at the ads they made and be like, man, they're going to take a big leap because all those players rock. And I just, like, I love Nico personally. Uh, maybe just because he's not Nolan Patrick. Um, and, like, uh, Jack Hughes is pretty good. Like, that's a hell of a one-two down the middle. He's not, 
Listen, he's not a superstar, but he's got a lot of real positive qualities. And when I'm looking at like what the Flyers are seriously lacking, a one-two punch down the middle, um, while Kevin Hayes is hurt, they have that. If if PK can like play a little bit, you know, they added Dougie. I they have the two towns in South Jersey, Wedgwood and Black up uh, Blackwood behind Bernier. <laughs> um, I think they're better. Again, better for them could still be pretty shitty, but it is it is a real tough division, and I think it can go a lot of different ways. Let's look outside the division a little bit. Uh, did we get everyone's actual prediction? In, do you expect them in the playoffs? Does everyone, yes. you're picking them to go? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're all being relatively optimistic at this point. All right. Wild card or top three? Wild card. I have them third. What the hell? Oh, Charlie, I, I, I like it. I love it. I just think I have to say wild card. Like, I don't. Yeah, I'm hedging. I don't the think the. Be- yeah. I, and like, and I think it's going to take a run. Like, and it could be an exciting run at the end. I just don't think this season's going to start all that well for this team. I think the way I look at it, truthfully, and and this is why this is why in the end I had them third. Um, I, my my I think order was Canes, Isles, Flyers, Penguins. And then Rangers five. And the reason why I had them third over the Penguins was in 2019-2020, the Flyers finished over the Penguins. If I think that the Flyers are closer to that team true talent-wise than the team that played last year, the Penguins are worse than they were in 2019-2020. So if I think the Flyers are the, the more the 2019-2020 Flyers than the 2020-21 Flyers, and I think the 2021-22 Penguins are worse than the 2019-2020 Penguins, then I have to put the Flyers over the Penguins. I can't wait to be out of the 2020s because this is so <laughs> goddamn. You're saying the same, not you, like the royal you. Well, I you've am. Gotta, I am. Yeah, yeah, but like you've got to say the same word over and over. Like it just starts to lose its meaning. I will say, Charlie, don't count out Jeff Carter. Um, let us now move on. <laughs> let us now move on to the. Uh, Ah, fuck it. Let's just talk about the conference and the cup finals, because I don't care about divisions. It's boring. Oh, he's going to win the division. No one gives a shit about winning a division. Throw up a division banner and get roasted on Twitter. Like, that's what a division's good for. What? (laughs) All right. Uh, If you had to pick your cup winners right now, Kelly, the Flyers, and who are going to meet in the Stanley Cup? Yeah, it's obviously the Flyers if we're talking Kelly Hinkle. (laughs) I'm going to go Avalanche again. I feel like they're they're like they're on the Tampa Bay track. Like they've had their like stumble blocks in the playoffs. And this is the year that they're finally getting yeah. it. I you know I love Colorado. I just yeah. like Tampa was somehow able to like maintain their level of talent. And Colorado's losing guys. They're not taking advantage well, of like loopholes. The they're not cheating. Tampa lost an entire line. They did. This year. Yeah, this year, okay. That's what I'm saying. Before that, like okay. building yeah, up yeah, to yeah, this fair. point, they were able to manipulate shit and hold on to all their little pieces and finally unleash it on the league for a 128-point regular season followed by back-to-back Stanley Cups. Like, I, I just don't see that with Colorado. So that's interesting. So, Kelly, are you are you going to go Flyers' abs? Uh, I want to. Um... <laughs> But it's hard to look at, you know, Tampa and Toronto and even like Florida got got better. I don't know. The Eastern Conference, like Charlie said, it's going to be a real tough battle. They're all of the good teams except for Colorado and Vegas are in the Eastern Conference. So it's going to be tough for whoever gets there. Now, that's the hardest part is I don't. The hardest part for me, like, I know what team I like in the East because I think the East is good, so I'm thinking about that. It's trying to find a Western team that isn't Colorado or Vegas because it's never it's never the team I want. So I got to uh, – trying to find a third Western team that I like, that's the difficult part for me. What do you like, Charlie? I mean, 
the, the look the chalk pick is Colorado yeah I think they're the best team on paper I don't think people fully grasp just how good they were in the regular season last year which was why I was so surprised when Vegas took them down um but I think Colorado like, yeah they lost some pieces but they're still pretty darn good and they were I mean they were like a like a near 60 percent play driving team last year it was nuts how talented they were so I'll go I'll go the Avs as like the chalk pick I am like very tempted to pick Toronto but I just can't bring myself to do it. Because... <laughs> no, you are not tempted by it at all. Time. No, I, I, I think they're, I think they, they're a good team, and I think it's they at some good. point, at some point, they are going to break through. It's just like I kind of get the same feeling with them that I had with with the Caps for a long time, where like they're only going to do it when everybody gives up on them. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be the year. Where we're just like, nah, there's, they're never gonna do it. It's never gonna happen, and that's gonna be the year they finally win it all. Um, but I just, I can't. I, I feel like they're, they're destined for a few more years of heartbreak, um, before they, uh, before they finally get theirs, which I think they'll get at some point. So I'll, I'll take, I'll take the Canes. Um, not that I think the Canes are gonna be the best team in the conference, but weird stuff happens in the playoffs, and I think they're a good enough team that they'll be in the mix. And if some things break their way, they could do it. I don't think weird stuff happens in the playoffs. I think at this point, very predictable shit happens in the playoffs. We know, we know that the rules will not be enforced. We know that one team in this league is built to win in the playoffs. And it is Barry Trotz's oh, New York God. Islanders. Oh, God. I yeah, have them I, winning I, I the East. I can't bring myself to pick them to win anything. Just so I, I don't want to. It's not about liking them at this point for me. It's about they're going to do it. Like, the league will make it. The league will erase rules before they enforce them to, like, they want Lou and they want Barry. More than they want a big market team to win, they want this little fucking Long Island Green Bay Packer bullshit team to win because that's just what this league likes is stupid shit. It's going to be the Islanders, and honestly, I just talked all this shit on Kelly's uh, Colorado pick, and I don't think I can pick against it. I was like, how much do I like Chicago? Chicago's not even going to make the playoffs. (laughs) Are you crazy? We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to have to go with Colorado. They do still have, for my money, the best first line in hockey. They have one of the best defensemen with Kale McCarr. Um, You know, they they lost some pieces, but I guess they got to get it. Like, they're so good. Okay, so here's here's a question I will pose to the group. Okay. Um, If we are operating under the assumption that the outcome of this season is going to be the outcome that is the most painful for Philadelphia fans to deal with. <laughs> Which, I mean, it really is never a terrible assumption because, like, our lives are hell. Um, which Western Conference team would be more infuriating if they went to, say, like, a final? Is Seattle. it Vegas because of Nolan Patrick or is it Seattle because of Dave Haxtell? Oh, S- Seattle. Seattle, because they'll be able to give the coach credit even if he has no say. Yes. Nolan Patrick will do nothing, so they won't be able to, like, it'll be, oh, look, yeah, another former flyer. But it's like, yeah, he's their 13th forward. So, like, yeah. I, I, I don't see that being too big of an issue. It'll be maddening uh, simply because I want him to have zero success in this league. Uh, but he will have nothing to do with it. Even if Hackstall's a bad coach, which he is, I watched him. Um, they'll give him the credit because it, he's he's the coach. So we're talking like probably a Seattle Pittsburgh Stanley Cup final would be like worst case scenario for Flyers fans. I so feel like, like that's probably going to happen at this point. Seattle Islanders. I, I feel like think- I think Flyers fans right now today hate the Islanders more than they hate the Penguins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. I there mean, are things... I, I mean, I do because the Islanders just annoy me yeah. on yes. a deeper level. But like, I still think most Philadelphia fans are more anti-Penguins than, than I I think they're more... See, I'm more anti-Penguins just because I like... Other than they're the Islanders and they keep beating us, like, there are things I like about them. I wish the Flyers had more Islander-esque qualities a lot of the time. Um... The Penguins can't hurt me any more than they already have. That, like, really. Like, 
it's they've like knocked the out Eric Lindros before. The they've won four cups, five cups in my lifetime. Like, what's the difference between five and six? Oh yeah, they got it. Like, all right, I'll go about my day. I, I don't see like. <laughs> Oh, uh, whatever. Like, I guess Jeff Carter being there now adds a whole other fucking, you know, layer to it. But, like, the Islanders, at least they haven't won yet uh, with this current iteration. The It'll Islanders be whoever the, beats us. The Islanders are the team that have been, like, squashing the Flyers for the past few seasons. It hasn't been the Penguins for a while. Like, historically, the rivalry is super fun, but realistically the flyers and the penguins it's not really been much of anything you know game wise in a long time like it hasn't mattered because when the pens were good the flyers were terrible and then both teams were kind of just whatever and then the flyers started to get a little bit good and it was the islanders that came along and stumped their face into the curb not the penguins so right now i I hate the islanders more Kind of recently, like in the last two years, I feel like Flyers games with Boston have been more contentious than with Pittsburgh. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Maybe. Like since the outdoor game, that outdoor game was was great. It was contentious. It was mean. uh, But I feel like they haven't captured that. Maybe because, you know, we haven't had a full season with fans in the building, so it's hard to tell, but... I don't know. I just feel like the Boston games have been a little more like "fuck you, fuck you" than uh, than Pittsburgh games have lately. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I just think there's so much residual, and we see like what you're saying about you know, well, the Isles have become the thorn in the Flyers' side, and Bruins games are contentious and whatever. That's all true, but, but. The only people that really recognize that are people who have been on board with the Flyers as diehards all these years. Whereas there are a lot of people who are like casual Flyers fans that would be sick if the Penguins were good again. Fair you know enough. what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I just like, I'm immune to that now. I got my Vax. I got my Penguins Vax. Like, <laughs> they win. I continue about my day because it just keeps happening. Uh, before we wrap up awards... First and foremost, other than Sean Couturier for the Selkie, he's a contender for the rest of his life. I mean, sure. as long as he's on the ice, he'll be mentioned in, in Selkie contention because that's how that award works now. Um, any other flyers you think are serious contenders for awards? Other than all of them, obviously. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> no. Yeah, not how- really. Cam I mean, Atkinson's going to win the Art Ross. You heard I, it here I will first. say, <laughs> I will say that if if Carter Hart has a bounce back year, he would have the benefit of the narrative of it being like, look how much he turned Ooh. it around. So like he would have a narrative boost in terms of the Vesna, but obviously he has to turn it around, which is no, a legitimate question. <laughs> like I was going to be like, you know, Carter Hart, how close is he? to to a Vezina, and it's like, well, if he's as good as I think he is, he's a contender right now, but, like, that has to go so right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the team in front of him has to, like, be so much better. He can be as good as he was his first two years, and if the team in front of him, even though he was part of the, like, a major part of the problem last year, so too was the defense. Like, if the defense continues to suck in front of him, even if he's considerably better, he has no chance at this award. True. Very, very true. Um, but, but I yeah, think Rasmus I mean, yeah, Ristolainen I, I, fixes that. Yeah, of course. Um, no, I, I, bet I could plausibly say it. Like, if he has a bounce-back season, if he's, like, a, over 920 save percentage and gets a lot of wins, you know, you'll have people being like, look at how, you know, people will be paying attention to the fact that he turned it around after how awful last season was. So he would have the benefit, you know, of that narrative boost that does help in terms of awards. But like, if you're talking about the other ones, I mean, you know, I don't even think in a best case scenario, Ivan Provorov is competing for the Norris. No. Even if he bounces back, even if he bounces back with the help of Ryan Ellis, um, I don't think anybody on the flyers is going to come close to scoring enough points to compete for the hard or the art Ross with Connor McDavid because he's Connor McFriggin David. Uh, and then there's nobody who has the kind of storyline that Limblom had last year for, for something like the Masterton. So, yeah, I I mean Katuri would have a chance, you know. Yeah. As we've as we've seen with Katuri with the Selkie, 
when the Flyers are good, Couturier either wins the Selkie or almost wins the Selkie. When the Flyers are bad, Couturier is not in the mix. So if the Flyers are good, Couturier will be in the mix for the Selkie. Oh, I forget what I was... Oh, you that's what I was going to ask. You just said it. Uh, so Provorov doesn't probably have a chance at the Norris. Um, what about his partner, though? I was going to say that if I was going to pick a, a Flyers defenseman that might win the Norris, it would be Ryan Ellis. It wouldn't be Ivan Provorov. I don't think either one of them is going to come even close, but if I had to pick no. one, it wouldn't be Provorov. Just Fair. looking at the list of awards and see, like... Who on the Flyers would be most likely to win one? Couturier in the Selkie, like, that's easy. He's already won one, and he's one of those guys. Next, I think, would be Norris and uh, and and Ryan Ellis. Like, Yeah, I, I just can't... don't think he has the... No. Look, I, I'm real high on Ryan Ellis. I, I really like him as a player, but I don't think he has the kind of cachet in media circles to get the sort of hype needed to win the Norris. Like, I think Provorov, in a way, has more cachet because he's younger. You know, he's had some big years recently that kind of caught people's attention as, like, one of the up-and-coming defensemen in hockey, where if he were to finish with, you know, 50 points on a really good Flyers team, that will get people's attention. Um, With Ellis, like, he tends to get hurt. He's more of an advanced stat favorite than, like, a media favorite. I, I don't know. It's possible. You know, I, as I said, I'm I'm very high on Ryan Ellis, the player, so it would be cool to see him in the mix. I just, to me, there's a lot. To, to me, Provorov would have more momentum, especially because it's a media-voted award, if that pairing is really good than, than Ryan Ellis would. Is there a chance that Art Ross is anywhere but in Edmonton? No. I mean, I mean McKinnon would have maybe a chance, but that's about it. I don't think anybody else can can match them from a pure talent standpoint. Mm-mm. Do you think one of those, like, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're the odds-on favorites to win the Art Ross leading the league in points. Do you think, like, if they're the sixth seed or whatever and people are like, all right, yeah, but whatever, they won one of those two won the Art Ross and it'll probably be McDavid because, like, he he's doubling up everybody. It's his points totals, his points per game, just insane. Uh, Drysaddle's right there, but still McDavid's on another level. Um, Hart Trophy, any outside contenders other than you know McDavid, really? Um, well, I mean, as I said, I mean McKinnon, yeah, I think McKinnon. would be would be involved if a goalie were to have an incredible season. That's always a possibility. You know, a goalie just carries carries a team. That could always Hate happen. It. But yeah, I mean McDavid's obviously the chalk pick. Like he's he just racks up so many points, and I think he's. I mean they're probably gonna put him with with um what's his name um Zach Hyman who should help that top line be even better because he's a really good complimentary forward. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's McDavid unless he gets hurt. He's just that good. He's unbelievable. All right, uh, before we wrap it up here, any out-of-the-box predictions? Is there just anything that you think is going to happen either with the Flyers or anyone in the league uh, that you really haven't heard other people talking about? Hmm. I think, I mean, I think, honestly, right at this moment, saying that the Flyers are comfortably going to make the playoffs is kind of a hot take as far as, like, predictions Comfortably... Like if the you, word comfortably, yes, absolutely. If you look at like predictions on any of the hockey media websites, if you look at all of the nerd models, like no one has the Flyers doing anything this year, which like fair because a lot of that is built on what happened last year. So fair. But I think that the Flyers are going to comfortably make the playoffs. Like I don't think we're going to be looking at a game 82 shootout to get into the playoffs. Like, I think that they're going to be in. I'm all Fair. for that, though. Would love to see it. Mm. I'm really intrigued to see what happens in Florida this year. Um, they're because, interesting. Because they were a fun team. I think they're going to be they good. Very, they very much are playing the Joel Quenville, we're going to run and gun our way to win style. That's fun. And they did add Sam Reinhart, who is pretty damn good. And if Sergei Bobrovsky stinks again, Spencer Knight's right there. So, like, that's a team that 
I'll be paying attention to. Number one, because they're fun to watch. Number two, because like if things break right for them, they could be really good. It's extremely annoying to me that they ended up with a very good goaltender because they really screwed themselves with that Bobrovsky contract and I wanted it to hamstring them and they just lucked into like a ridiculously good No, kid. I mean, it's still going to hamstring them. Like they're, they're still stuck paying Bobrovsky $10 million a year for the foreseeable future. So like it's going to hurt them. It's yeah, hurting the man. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, I gotta, I'm looking this up real fast. God damn it, where are you, Florida? Like, how many more years are left on that deal? Seven? Like a lot, Seven, right? I think? Uh, five. five. Oh, five more. Including this year. Yeah, because yeah, they could only give him a seven-year deal, right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, wow. It's a long Ten time. Million. Ten million. Ten million dollars. Ten million. Uh, I am going to go out on my limb and say the New Jersey Devils will, in fact, make the playoffs. I hate you so uh-huh. much. I, I, I hate me, Kelly. You can't hate <laughs> me. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know why I think that they're actually going to be good. Because uh, they but... won the offseason again, Bill. That's why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got a guy I wanted. That's really what it comes down to. There you go. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Is that it? Are we done? Oh, I have a Steph driver-style announcement. Oh, let's do it. Uh, So the Flyers are going to be giving us a few number undetermined at this point. Um, Tickets for the home opener to give away. So stay tuned this week to the Broad Street Hockey and Broad Street Hockey Radio Twitter pages because we will be giving away some tickets to the home opener. Thanks, Flyers. Outstanding. Yeah. I hope uh, I hope there's some sort of tie-in that you have to listen to the podcast to win it. I'm going to figure uh, out a way to make... You have to <laughs> show me physically that you've downloaded each episode of the podcast 100 times. And then you will get tickets to the Flyers game. You have to go out and buy a new device and set up a new uh, iTunes account and download it a second time. And that's how you end yes. up winning the tickets. <laughs> we'll figure something out. They don't keep me abreast of this information, but I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we got that out there. Cause I am excited about that. All right. Thank you. I, what do I say now? Oh, that's right. And that, <laughs> I was like, wait, how do I end the show? I do this every time. And that is all the time we have for you on broad street hockey radio. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search broad street hockey, wherever there are podcasts and boom, you get all of our content and apparently a chance to win some home opener tickets. I think you want those. So, uh, Hey, maybe hit that subscribe button. Leave leave us a five-star review. We are not above flattery and bribery. We are not. All right. Uh, that's it. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!